The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking a Baseball News Podcast here on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm Tim Jackson with TC Zenka. As always, TC, how are you lately? How is your baseball? How is everything? Um, well, the Cubs finally won a game for the uh this was you know my my father who's a you know lifelong Cubs fan he's in his 80s and he uh he just moved away from the midwest for the first time a week ago and it, it took about nine days since he moved out of the midwest for the Cubs to finally win a game so uh he definitely thinks he's he's a part of this part of this thing and uh i'm just glad that they've gotten him off the shine a little bit so that he can go back to just living his life and and you know, middle PA where he, where he will, where he is now. So that's uh that's man got off the schneid with him. That's great that uh, <laughs> he can tie himself to their, their magical day. Uh, you know, there's, there is interesting stories going on throughout baseball. One of them is kind of quiet. Like the Cubs story was kind of loud, right? They lost what 11 yeah. of 12 and uh, hard not to notice that uh, hard not to notice something along those lines, like even the D-backs had that winless streak on the road earlier this year. And another team is losing, but they're a bit more notable. It's the Detroit, the, the Detroit Tigers, who are quietly successful so far in their rebuild after really just a couple of years, right? Well, a couple of dedicated years. Yeah. And they might be seven games under 500, but does anything stick out about them as a young team? Well, sure. I mean, notably, it's the pitching staff, right? This is where they have put their eggs is in this group of of you know upcoming young rotation arms. Uh, Casey Mize being the most notable of the bunch because he was the number one overall pick. But you know, if you take pedigree aside, or that at least you know draft position aside, Tarek Skubal is another big time name for them. Uh, Matt Manning is the is the third kind of of their three amigos who are, who are coming up and up in the rotation right now. Uh, you know, they've tied their future to those three, at least from like a, from a PR perspective. I mean, there are other guys to talk about, of course, uh, especially their young outfielders, you know, they have another number one pick coming up soon, but right now, uh, and the path that they have laid out for themselves has been to build through this starting rotation and they're all here now. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, now it's time to watch the tigers because they have been for the last couple of years the most nondescript team in baseball. The team that was, you know, filling up with Jonathan Scopes and CJ Crones and 
and, you know, guys that were going to be around for a year. But, uh, you know, now they finally have some guys who we can reasonably expect from their pedigree that they might actually be on the next Tigers contender. And it's namely, not entirely, but namely those three guys, right? Yeah, Scooble, Mize, and like you were saying, Manning are definitely poised in some way, shape, or form to be a bit of a three-headed monster if things continue to work out. While Matt Manning has had a tough go of things at the major league level so far, you hope that ultimately he does not strike out one-third of the league average of hitters that he faces. That's about what he's doing right now. Uh, Scooble and Mize have both been doing interesting things uh, themselves. They've both taken steps forward this year. And I think the one thing that sticks out really about them as a team is if these guys are the ones that start to separate them, they really start to separate them from a totally different era of Tigers baseball. Like over the last decade or so, it's really been a, like a tale of two sides of the same coin. Uh, and it's been ugly at times in the last half decade, right? They, their record over the last five years, well, four years and however many games uh, they're, they've played this year, about 87, I think, 198 and 450. So even adding in this year, it doesn't get a whole lot prettier. They're over 500 losses. They are double-digit games behind uh, first place pretty much every season, including right now where they're 11 and a half game backs games back of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and this is after a stretch where they were dominant, right? They they won 360 games to only 280 losses from 2011 to 2014. Yeah, I mean, they're the best team that AL Central has seen in the last, you know, 20 years since those Indians teams, maybe, of the late 90s. I mean, that team went on a legit run. They had four straight division titles from 2011 to 2014. And, you know... I'm sure you're getting there, but sure enough, that team was also built through their starting rotation, right? That was that was the parallel we were we were going for. Names uh, names stick out from that rotation. You had the likes of uh, Justin Verlander at that point. Uh, that was pre Scherzer leaving, right? Yeah, like, Scherzer was there for the for the for that run. And even even if he wasn't the Max Scherzer we know today, he's contributing to a team like that, where you're like you're saying they didn't just win the division either. They went to three straight championship series. They went to a World Series. Like they were a extremely successful team. And so now we look at this team today, and you see names like Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize. One thing that's interesting to me about the two of them is that they are being able to throw in the zone more this year, and that speaks, I guess, to development of stuff. Like confidence of not nibbling, confidence of not trying to get a guy to chase after something unless you know you've already set him up for it. Their zone rates have gone up, oh, six or seven percent, like to league average or better. And that's kind of a big deal because when you can throw your stuff in the zone and guys are not knocking you around, or at least you're pitching better than you did last year, I feel like that speaks degrees of confidence to that person's skill set, to maybe organizational ideas that are all starting to click, that are all starting to kind of represent something we've talked about in the past, that there are a lot of moving parts to building a good team, right? Yeah, I mean, just like innumerable moving parts, but to have guys who can throw in the zone, I mean, you have to you have to do that. That's the rule number one as a pitcher, right? You have to be able to throw strikes. You have to be able to get ahead of the count. And you can't do that kind of thing if you aren't, if you don't trust your stuff and if you're not willing to go, you know, mano a mano with the hitters. Like you can't, it's not just about like sneaking one in 
to get ahead, like you have to be able to throw strikes with the expectation that guys are going to hit those pitches. And, you know, for a young guy, it's very easy to fall into the trap of nibbling too much and trying too hard to make the perfect pitch at every moment. And so it's a, I think it's a gigantic step forward to see Scoogle and Mize both living inside the zone a little bit more. They're going to have to, to be, you know, to be the, the anchors of this rotation. If they, I mean, it's a lofty standard to say, you know, Verlander and Scherzer, even, you know, honorable Sanchez or, you know, some of the other guys who, or, you know, some of the other guys pushing the rotation, Doug Fister back in the day, but like, you know, this is their hope that these guys are going to be front of the rotation guys. And so they will have to be able to challenge hitters. So that's a gigantic step. If they're beginning to do that now, the question for me with these tigers moving forward is can Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning and Casey Mize really front a rotation front to playoff rotation? Because the back of the rotation right now, they're guys you can take them or leave them. I mean, Willie Peralta is having kind of a surprisingly great stint through five appearances. He has a 2-1-4 ERA. Jose Urena has not been good in 16 games. He's a 6-4-3 ERA. But Jose Urena is not someone that you start in your fifth. He's not someone you put into your fifth starter spot if you expect to be a playoff team. So I'm not worried about Urena. They're going to find someone else for those places. And frankly, they have those guys in-house. They're just not healthy. Spencer Turnbull has the has real potential to be a front of the rotation guy. He was gonna be, he was everyone's pick to be a breakout candidate this year. He was slowed by COVID at the start of the season, which delayed the start of his season and then obviously taking him some time to get his, you know, up to full speed. He is uh back on the injury list now with this with this strained shoulder, so uh or a forearm strain forearm. So what happens with Turnbull this season isn't really indicative of what's expected for him moving forward. He is only 28 years old, going to be 29. So they still have high expectations for him as a guy who can be maybe the, you know, the veteran anchor on this club. He had a three, nine, seven ERA last year with the three, four, nine FIP in just 11 games this year, almost the same sample with nine games, but 50 innings already, which is really good number through, through nine games started. He's a two, eight, eight ERA and a two, nine, five FIP. 1.5 F wars through nine starts this year. So that's looking at almost a five war season from Turnbull. That's a really, really solid season. And they can get him healthy and bring him back. That's a great veteran guy to have at the front of this rotation in front of these other guys might have some growing pains. I mean, we've seen it already from them. Casey Mize has not been all that sharp going back a couple of seasons now. He's been better this year than last, but he's still not a big-time strikeout guy. We've yet to see what really he's going to be. I mean, he's driving a 50% ground ball rate right now, which is solid. 359 ERA, which is good. 474 FIP is not quite as good. He's not striking out a ton of guys. Right, He's a 19.9% strikeout rate, which isn't great. 7% walk rate is pretty good. So, And they're watching his pitch count for the year so that they can have him in the, in the rotation all year long. He's made 17 starts. So he, he's a rotation arm right now. And that's really positive to see. He's 24 years old and he's in a rotation arm. So that's great. There's maybe a four for Casey Mize. So can he take the next step and develop into a number two, number three type? Sure. I don't see why not. I mean, Terry Scruble is the guy I like the most. A lefty. He brings that other look and he is a big time strikeout arm. I mean, the thing with Scruble is he gets the ball in the air. He does not generate a lot of ground balls. So he's going to be a little bit homer prone. Through 15 starts this year, 17 appearances, he had a 
just a 33% ground ball rate. He does not get the ball on the ground very much. Now, he's benefited a little bit uh, from just the 17.5% home run to fly ball rate, which is down a little bit from where he was at last year when he posted a 5.63 ERA uh, and wasn't really all that great as a rookie through seven games started, 32 innings. He's already 82 and two-thirds innings this year. But he misses bats. He misses bats in a significant way. He has a 27.6% strikeout rate to a 10.2% walk rate, which is a little high, a little higher than what you want to see out of him. But that's a solid strikeout rate. He throws hard. He has a, he's in the 65th percentile for fastball velocity. He's not a real high spin guy, so he's maybe somebody that we don't expect to be affected all that much by the, the crackdown the, on uh, sticky substances and everything this year. And he's done really a pretty decent job this year, especially of late he's done well. And the Tigers have have followed up in kind. The Tigers, you know, we think of them as a bottom bottom barrel team, and they are still kind of on that bottom rung. They're 40 and 47. But for over two months now, they've been a tough out. They went 14-13 in May. They went 14-13 in June. And they're 4-2 and two so far in July. So they were awful in April, 8-19. But since then, they've been an above 500 club for two-plus months, which I think is surprising to anybody outside of Detroit. I mean, they have some positive things going for them. And it does start in the rotation. But some, there's some other parts of the team that we can look at here uh, when we get Tim back. So let's see what Tim has to say about this lineup and we're back welcome back to breaking we were here yesterday talking about the detroit tigers and my man tim jackson here had some weather problems tim how are you doing over there are you okay i have solved the weather good uh, deal solved uh it might come back i don't know if i've solved it permanently uh, but now, as a three-day event, this this pod has really uh, made its its way into like the Marvel universe in terms of drawn-out length. So, you know, uh, to tie right back to the topic, it's much like a Detroit <laughs> Tigers rebuild. It takes a little longer than you expect, takes some time, and then suddenly it's really good. Uh, and so suddenly it's really good. You know, we, I think we, we're at that moment. I think we're at that moment right now. We're on the precipice. Yeah, we're like right before somebody snaps their fingers and something big happens, and. <laughs> You know, the, the Tigers as an org, like we're saying, and we, and we touched on, as, as anybody who hears it a few minutes ago, you know, they have been a work in progress for some time. And we've talked about Scooble being really critical and Mize and Turnbull. And the one thing interesting about all of them, even though I think Spencer Turnbull just had a setback in his rehab, I think he felt something, quote unquote. Uh, so he got yeah, transferred. Not like, to... not like when you're at a Marvel movie and you feel something. This is the worst <laughs> kind of, the bad yeah. kind of feeling something. Right. It's uh it's definitely a negative. He got moved to the sixty day IL. So and, and they're in no rush. Like I guess they can take their time with him. I just hope it's it is taking their time more so than something very serious. Uh but they've all started to use their slider more. And that's kind of interesting because they're moving away from other breaking pitches, like in particular when it comes to Turnbull. Uh he's up to like twenty five percent and he's he's kind of made it a point to make his primary fastball a cutter, which is interesting. Distinguishing his pitch mix a little bit more. Uh, Scooble himself is up to... He's he's up like the most, I think, of any of them. Almost more 6% more than he threw sliders last year, and he's down on change-ups. Uh, he's down on his primary four-seam fastball. He's, you know, he's throwing a little bit... Uh, a little more slider emphasis with fastballs different ones mixed in there and i wonder if that's just like a classification thing 
whether it's how he's gripped it or how it moved that particular time. But sliders are up for him. And even for Mize, who I don't know if you have any memories of when Mize was coming up. It wasn't that long ago. But uh, he was somebody who I feel like I just heard about his splitter a ton. And yeah. he doesn't throw it a lot. He throws it like 15% of the time, right? Uh, a little about between 15 and 18%. And his slider is distinct from a cutter last year. They like they slowed it up. They gave it more drop. And now it's been really useful for him. So I think as an org, it's almost like they've developed sliders and, and or they found something developmental about it that can apply to numerous guys. And that's really fascinating to me. Yeah, that's very interesting. Is there a... I wonder, do you know, has there, has there been any kind of change in personnel from them? I mean, they've obviously moved to a new managerial staff, a whole new coaching staff now. I mean, they've actually lost a couple of coaches recently from their major league team uh, to, to the college ranks. But those guys weren't guys who, who've been around for all that long. Is this a A.J. Hinch thing? Where, do you have any idea where this is coming from? I don't, and I haven't seen anything on it. That's not to say somebody hasn't had it out there, but ultimately that's something that, uh, it does seem organizational. I, you know, I know in particular Turnbull has started to go to uh, Codify Baseball, which Alex, Alex Fast has written about. I believe he wrote about it last year and how it was taking over the league or transforming pitching development. Um, basically, Codify just helps pitchers identify which of their pitches moves best to the best parts of the zone for them mm-hmm. as individuals. So maybe that's something about it. I don't know. This seems like... Like, we've had the, the conversation where, oh, somebody just has this passing conversation. Like, have you thought about throwing it this way? Have you thought about turning your hand or gripping it this way? Like, maybe that's going on amongst the guys themselves, which I guess would speak to some culture. I'm, I'm very curious about this as uh, from an org standpoint. Yeah, I wonder if it does have something to do with them just coming up together. I mean, these guys have been together for a while, so I, I feel like it's probably something driven more internally from – either the coaching staff or the front office or uh, I mean, the front office has been the same for a long, long time. So I, I kind of wonder if it's something from Hinch and the people that Hinch have brought in, but it does seem to be working for them, at least to a certain degree, at least for the younger guys. And I mean, what I was saying yesterday was that I think this, this pitching staff, if they can get Turnbull back and that's a big if, but, you know, presuming that there's nothing, that there's not some, you know, career crossroads he's at here and he's able to bounce back next year. Uh, and Scoobal and Mize and Manning keep working their way along. I think this rotation is actually pretty close because, you know, Urena is their fifth guy. He's not going to be there if they're trying to compete. Matthew Boyd is coming back. We'll be back at some point. Even Julio Teheran looked pretty good this year. Not that he'll be around necessarily, necessarily. Not, not that he'll be around next year necessarily, but still that gives them a solid five to run with, and they'll need to put together some depth pieces. But I think they're actually pretty close in terms of having competitive rotation what do you think i think so too and i think even in terms of like a julio tehran or 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 jose urania that 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 kind of pitcher becomes not as important to them if the other guys step up right like they'll have more options to fill that spot instead of filling two of them or three of them through the course of the year maybe they go in looking for one or two in particular that they can kind of zone in on a little bit more uh and that's like such a big help i mean i think of it in terms of even uh, of course, our own touchstones with the Phillies and Zach Eflin, when he, he came up a couple of years ago, he was a really back-end guy. He's really pushing his way to a mid-rotation starter now. He has one of the lowest walk rates in the league. I think second to, or maybe above even Jacob deGrom in terms of uh, walk rate, which is kind of incredible. 
Hmm. Uh, and guys take steps forward. I think that's really critical to always remember. And something that we do touch on frequently is that, you know, development is not a linear thing and it's not, it's, it's never over. So if you have guys like Mize and Scooble setting a pace for younger players, I think it sets a good foundation for a competitive foundation or, or a competitive uh, foot forward. And I think that also opens the door, like you're saying, for Turnbull to be maybe that veteran type leading the staff, which is really, really useful too. Like they have a little bit of everything. They've got an older guy who's still under 30. They have these uh, lower 20s pitchers and they've got some prospects coming up behind them. And that leaves them open to construct and fill out with these back end types, these inning soak up players who who do just come in and absorb some of the back end games. Uh, as far as their pitching coach, it's Chris Fetter, who was hired uh, in last November, November of 2020. So uh, Fetter was coming over from Michigan University, uh, who was apparently a big role in their 2019 College World Series final. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, a player's progression is not linear, and yet we do look for these kind of forks in the road, these potential touchstones that might mean something and a new, and oftentimes for a guy that's changing organizations, because it can be as anybody who's ever had any job for any amount of time knows like it can be really easy to stagnate, right? It can be really yeah. easy to kind of plateau. And so you do kind of, you know, anytime a guy changes an organization, a guy who's relatively young, we look at him and we, there's always kind of that, that little bit of a question mark of like, oh, okay, let's see what happens here when he gets a new voice in his ear. And, for all these guys on the Tigers right now, that's what's happened. They've essentially changed organizations because they've had, they have new voices in their ears. So to see their improvement this year with hinge coming in and Fetter coming in, it does mean something a little bit more, or at least, at least there's the potential for it to mean something a little bit more. And as you said, you, you like to think that, uh, you know, that can carry over to their other young guys, Joey Wentz was in double a Alex Lang, Lang, uh, you know, there's another guy who's coming up. They've got some other guys to follow up on the, on this core, Alex Fido. And, you know, you, you just get one or two capable arms to go with that group. And all of a sudden you have a really pretty deep core of pitchers, starting pitchers, which is the most important thing. And, right. you know, the bullpen, they've got some guys who've been Gregory Soto is their, is their all-star or, you know, whatever that means. They've had all-star closers in the past, you know, those guys still dot the roster and aren't exactly superstars. So, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt, but Michael Fulmer has proved capable in a multi-inning role. So they might have a couple of pieces in the bullpen. And, and as we know, bullpens are fickle beasts and they can be kind of put together on the fly. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting group right now. And it's a really, it's going to be a really interesting group to track the rest of the year. I mean, the other point I made uh, yesterday when you were sitting quietly in the dark, Tim, uh, was that the Tigers have actually been very good the last two plus months. They've been over 500 for two months in a row. They were two games over in May and in June. They're two games over so far in July. And, you know, they had a terrible April and that's driving down their, their record. But I don't know when the last time we saw a decent Tigers team for two plus months was, but this is them right now. And so it'll be really interesting to see what happens the rest of this, these next couple of months and see kind of which form of them we get. If we get another, bottoming out month at eight and 17 or eight, and 19, or if they keep playing competitive baseball. 
what you're hitting on there is really interesting because we talk about that all the time in terms of whether a team is watchable or whether they're having an okay year. Just like having something to hope for, going into each game feeling as though they could win is kind of important, maybe from a morale standpoint for a fan, but I think definitely for a player, right? Like guys have talked about that where like winning teams always say like, we feel like we could have won every game. Like we, we knew we, we were never out of it. That kind of uh, talk comes out of those locker rooms. And I think that's really indicative of, again, like something, something happening outside of baseball, something happening, maybe esoteric in one of those many weird realms or different steps that it takes to traverse to kind of build a winning baseball team. And in particular, even as, as you were talking, the one thing that really stuck out was that you're saying they're essentially in a new org, these pitchers, because they've got new people in their ears. And that's fascinating because anybody I speak to who's even remotely close to baseball, whether like directly involved or they're uh, closer to the outskirts, they always bring this up kind of unprompted that guys are not necessarily willing as players to just listen to anybody. Like they don't really care what your experience is right away unless you give them a reason to care. And that's such a big deal because by and large, these are players who are really talented. They've been selected because they're just, they have this incredible skill and they've gotten a chance to hone it and they've gotten this far moving through voices. Now they're reaching the top levels. Maybe they do have somebody who's really impactful in terms of a speaker, in terms of somebody who can engage them in a way that's making a tangible difference. And this might be, we, we might be venturing into like maybe a hearsay type thing, but that seems to be what's happening. Good vibes are coming out of the Tigers lately, right? Like you're saying, these last two months. Yeah, there definitely are. And, you know, even at the time of Hinch's hiring, not to say that it's Hinch alone, you know, there's Fetter and, and many other guys, but even at the time of Hinch's hiring, you know, Hinch was suspended for a year, but there was a sense that the Tigers kind of like lucked into getting a guy like this, that this was a, a World Series winning manager guy who was thought of very highly throughout the game before the the Astros cheating scandal that didn't really fall on him, even though it the blame and the consequences uh, consequences ultimately landed on him that he wasn't really at the center of this thing that his ultimate failure as a manager was was not enforcing uh, his clubhouse and his rules in his clubhouse enough, and so there was a little bit of a sense of like the Tigers really lucked out they got this like ace manager a guy that they wouldn't have normally been able to get, but because of the circumstances around him, Hinge kind of fell in their lap. And if he is that good, then yeah, then they might, it, it did feel like this was a positive signing for them. And it did kind of like begin maybe a bit of a, a tide change in Detroit. Um, again, that you're, you're right. It is venturing into the you know land of hearsay, but it does seem like things are going well. Yeah, even when it comes to Hinch, I feel like I remember seeing online when the White Sox uh, announced through social media that Tony Larusa had gotten that job. They had like his his like faux signature on there, but it was AJ Hinch's. <laughs> <laughs> so like you can tell that like maybe they did luck into him, and we've talked about that too, right? Like being talented really doesn't matter so much as being talented and lucky. Like you need it yeah. all. And I guess even on the hitting side, we can venture into that and see a little bit of it there too, because you know you mentioned somebody like Spencer Torkelson. Uh, we've got, of course, Akil Badu on the mind, and even uh, there's another name out there. Before we get to him, uh, potentially as as a sudden impact type of player, 
how do you feel about their hitting coming along? Well, you know, I don't see as much there. And that's why I do want to talk about Badu because to me, you know, he, I mean, Torkelson and Riley Green are their two outfielders, right? These are the guys, they're big yeah. cornerstone guys who are coming up who aren't there yet, but are going to be there very, very soon. And, you know, guys like that have the potential to really hit the ground running and be difference makers for them. So, you know, those two pieces, even those two pieces alone seem very positive. As for the rest of their, you know, I haven't seen a lot else from their youth, from their prospects. The guys that have come up, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that they're going to be major players on any of the, uh, any of their next competitive teams. Now, but in Badu's case, he's kind of an interesting guy here. Cause you said something interesting to me that a minute ago about how, you know, teams look for just kind of like some reason to win, right? Some reason to, to feel like they have a chance to win. And for fans, that means some reason to have a chance to watch. And Badu is one of those guys, right? He's a perfect guy for a rebuilding oh, yeah. team. And that like, I haven't looked at the Tigers in four years. And yet, you know, opening day, I'm like, what is Badu doing? Like, let's check in on this guy. He was a, for those of you who don't know, he was a rule five pick taken from the twins, made the jump from high A, hadn't been anywhere near the majors. And the Tigers just went for it with him. They protected him a little bit, but he came out firing and he was awesome from the jump. They, like I said, they had protected him a little bit, but little by little, he's done his job. He's continued to be a productive player for them. He's now in their leadoff spot a lot. He's hitting 274, 358, 462. That is a very, very solid 123 WRC plus. His walk numbers are good, 11.9% walk rate. His strikeout numbers are fine, if a little high, 27.9%. That's fine. His ISO at 188 is a little bit above average. The bad whip is a little high at 374, right? So maybe he's had a little bit of good luck, but he does run well, so he could have made some of that luck on his own. He's got 13 stolen bases. The guy's been, he's put on a show. And I can't, my instinct is to say, this is perfect for them right now. He gives us a reason to watch and to look in so that we might see that this rebuild is coming along faster than we expected, but that he's not actually a player on this team. But is he a player on this team? Is, is Badu going to be one of their outfielders on the next Tigers playoff team? Maybe. Maybe because maybe they get there faster than anybody's really expecting right now for a club that's performed as they have the last five years. Uh, but Badu is interesting to have an OPS over eight in July. That's kind of a big deal for a rule five pick. A lot of these guys flame out. The rule five isn't something every team even engages. Some teams just bypass their pick because they're just like, like whatever. Like it's such a long shot. We've got other people right. we'll prioritize. Whatever. Right. And this year was a particularly goofy year because we had no baseball last year. So who knows where Badu would have would have gone or how quickly he would have burned through the, minor, right. the Twins minor league system. I mean, we know that the Twins still didn't protect him. So that's you know, one piece of evidence, but we didn't know much else. So we had this like kind of mystery development year from Badu. So maybe he is more ready. I mean, he's 22 years old, still pretty young. And, and the projections do forecast him to be much less than this, probably an OPS around seven instead of slightly over eight. One, I still think there's a place for that. Even if he is a bench bat, uh, there's just in general, the profile of Akil Badu seems like he could hit seventh in a, in a competitive lineup and still provide like a moment or two or three that people talk about for a couple years, right? These big moments that happen. He's already shown it, right? Like what was it? His first AB or his first game. He already hit a home run. Like, yeah, he's again, kind of a vibe coming around. Like Akil Badu is, is a smaller name on a smaller team right now that could be maybe not like superstar, but relevant. And that's what, like, 
I, I don't know that when you talk about teams getting better that you can ask for anything more than them to be relevant, right? Like, I think that is a huge thrill in and of itself. There's some disparity between his ultimate production right now. Like we were saying, his, his WRC plus 123, his DRC plus, the, the BP metric that they have that adjusts a little bit better is generally more conservative, but also generally more accurate. It's at 93 right now, which is uh, on a scale of where 100 is average, a little below average. But like we're saying, they protect him a little bit. There could be more in the tank. We might have missed something developmentally. We might be missing on projections because something happened suddenly over the last calendar year where we didn't have much minor league baseball at all at points. So I, I do think that there is room for growth, even when it comes to a name like Spencer Torkelson, who is obliterating the minors, got promoted to double A a little less than a month ago and basically hasn't missed a beat. His line is pretty much the exact same. He's hitting for even more power. Like his WRC plus is 157, whereas his DRC plus for this year in the minor leagues is 126. Still incredible. Still like really good yeah. to be 21 and double A and knocking on the doorstep. And if they have as a team, they have their top three or four rotation pieces set. If they have a guy like Torkelson who can come up and, you know, minor league numbers, the higher up the ladder you go, the better they translate to the major league. So if he keeps up this pace and he is an immediate above average bat in the majors and continues to grow as he might be expected to as a, as a top pick, that's a huge deal. And I think that lets guys like Akil Badu play at their level and be totally useful for a team. A guy like Riley Green coming, he's like striking out a lot, if I'm remembering correctly. I think, yeah, he got moved to double A2 this year and he's striking out at like a Badu rate, like 28%. Uh, so that might be something to watch for. Nonetheless, he could be another uh, star level type player if things shake out there. And there's also Derek Hall, who at 25, or Derek Hill, I'm sorry, which I guess goes to goes to point to uh, his development path to this point that I'm misnaming him. <laughs> but he got a little bit of a cup of coffee. He played eight games with the Tigers so far this year. He's otherwise hanging out in AAA. He's never really hit for much power in the minors. But he could be developing. He just got written up for a two-home run game, both at Fangraphs and at BP on their minor league updates and prospect notes. And that's like another thing. You you round out your roster with these kind of average players. You have a few stars in there, and then suddenly you you might be pushing 90 wins again. Like, am I crazy to say that in a few years the Tigers could actually be in that space? I don't think so. I mean, I'm looking at him now, and I'm feeling pretty good about him. And that's the thing is that you put a Torkelson in the middle of that lineup, and it changes everything. It just changes everything. Now, I mean, a guy like Badu, the thing that worries me about worries me about him is that his defensive metrics and center haven't been outstanding. They've been okay. Negative four defensive runs saved. He's at like negative 0.9 UZR. His outs above average is at an even zero, but that's pretty near the bottom of the barrel for center fielders. Now, if he can't stick in center field, if he's not a defensive center fielder, then then they're in trouble, right? Then he, he's not he's not necessarily a spot for him on the roster outside of being a fourth outfielder. But there aren't a lot of center fielders in the game right now. Like, center field is a tough spot to fill. So, you, if you can just be decent there, that can be a spot for you. But you do need to fill out the rest of the lineup. I think the the Tigers are probably 
as much as I feel like, oh, maybe the pitching could get them there next year, I just don't see much in the way of of their bats. Like even the, the guys we're talking about are, you know, Riley Green could be next year, but he's not exactly going to be ready to rock next year, right? He's going to still need some time. Torkelson, who knows how quickly they decide to move him. Derek Hill is somebody that that's got that I I wish we could see more at bats from him because right now their roster is just full of these guys, these late twenties <laughs> guys who just like I feel like aren't going to be around. Like yeah, Eric Haas is a great story. It would be awesome if Eric Haas were, you know, destroying baseballs the way he's doing while playing left field and sometimes catching for the Phillies. Like that would be great. Right. But like he's not going to be along. He's a great one year. So he's the type of guy that you need to pop for a playoff team. You need some of those surprises, right? Like Robbie Grossman is another one of those guys who's like, he's not a surprise, but he's a great playoff guy. He's a great guy to have on your playoff roster, but he's not a long-term building piece. Neither no. of those guys are. I don't know that any of their guy, anybody on the roster right now on offense that's on the roster today is a long-term building piece. I mean, Daz Cameron hasn't really taken off. He's maybe another fourth outfielder type, Willie Castro has some potential to be like a fine infielder. Uh, Isaac Paredes, Paredes is maybe a third baseman. Maybe can play up the middle. He's these guy that they've been looking at and he's been kind of up and down, but he's still very young. So there's some potential there. I don't think Zach short is going to be a guy for them. Heimer Candelario has taken six years to finally become a guy. And I'm not sure how long it's going to last. Like an and he's a corner infielder up and down like, guy. You can replace that guy. I mean, no more Mazzara probably won't even be on the team by the end of the year. The, the fact that they have no more Mazzara playing at all is, is kind of a point in and of itself. I right. mean, Jonathan scope. Yeah. He's been great, but he's 30. I mean, like who on this team at all, you know, Nico Goodrum plays everywhere. Not that well anywhere. Like who on this team is going to be there. And I just, you know, I feel like the, the Grossman contract was an interesting one. And, you know, next year, they have him again, but you know, maybe two years down the line, if they sign a guy like that, there's some real potential. But right now, man, I feel like they got to go get some bats somewhere because I don't even see a whole lot in the pipeline, and they haven't done a great job of developing bats all these years. You know, we've seen the organization. You know, Alex Avila has been running their front office for a long time now, and they've done they have developed arms kind of again and again. They've done a decent job developing arms. They have not done as good of a job developing bats, and I've. You know, I think they got to go get them summer. The, you know, the last great Tigers contender, right? It was the bats came from the outside, right? right? The long That's history true. of, you know, Miguel Cabrera and Ivan Rodriguez was on these teams and, and he came from the outside. And, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of who else they've really developed. And I, I just can't think of a whole lot. I think they're going to have to go find some bats somewhere. They might. And so right now it's it's interesting. Today, as we talk, Fangraphs had released their their farm system rankings and Detroit checked in at eighth and it's led by guys. We've already talked about Turkelson, Manning, Scooble, Mize, Green. That's their top five. Dylan Dingler is making a lot of noise in the minors this year as a catcher. Uh, so at 22, he could be somebody making a push for the big league roster soon. Uh, but otherwise plus, everybody he's else. Got a plus name. Come on. Dylan it's Dingler. True. Catcher Dylan Dingler. On the Detroit Tigers? Come on, yes, yeah, the, bring him on. The, the alliteration is 80 grade. Love it. Uh, meanwhile, the other guys behind them are in A-ball, Parker Meadows, uh, or lower. Uh, Christian Santana as a shortstop is 17. Like, they can't expect him to maybe be on the next competitive Tigers team, but can come in to, like, keep the push going. 
you know, Parker Meadows is in high A right now and not necessarily blowing the doors off. Uh, really kind of struggling, it looks like, if we're going to read the line. Although, of course, there's more to scouting than scouting the prospect line. Paredes is a guy who is younger, but seems like I've read about him for years. He showed up, I think, in even uh, Carson Sestouli's Fringe 5 list often as a guy who really had a strong hit tool, but had the <laughs> had the body that was going to delegate or relegate him to the corner infield, and yeah. that might limit him at the dish even. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, like... Not a lot of impact bats right away, which is maybe where they go in a few days when the draft happens. Yeah. Uh, but there but, aren't a lot of college bats right off the top to, to go in and, and take. That's kind of been the thing this year is that they're not, it's not an elite college class and it's kind of lagging because of the way the draft worked last year where those bats aren't ready to come out yet. They can't because of NCAA rules and all. Right. But, you know, all that said, they can they can go get bats. That's the thing about this Tigers rebuild, yeah. right? They they got it looks like they have the makings of the difficult pieces. If they have a rotation and they have like an absolute banger like Torkelson who can hit and who can be who can give you like you know a real all all star level bat. You know they have not very much. Their payroll right now is one hundred and four million. Is their their luxury tax payroll? They only have $54 million on the books for, for next year. They do not have long-term money. Even Miguel Cabrera is only signed for two more seasons beyond this year. So, I mean, they have money to go get bats. And right now, isn't it easy to go get bats? Like, isn't easy? Isn't that the one thing you can actually go get? Because teams are trying to shed money left and right. And, it's, and it doesn't seem like you have to give much in the way of prospects to go get pieces. Even some of these frontline starters we've seen move, which is supposed to be the hardest thing to get. We, they, we know we haven't seen those guys get the types of returns we expected, so it's not like they have to have multiple top 100 picks to or top 100 prospects to move to go, to go get some slightly better than average, you know, bats out there. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, if they wanted to go get, you know, Jock Peterson next year, they could have Jock Peterson in the outfield. Or if they oh, wanted, yeah. you know, even Kyle Schwarber, if they wanted to overpay him for a little bit, they could get Kyle Schwarber and to play left field, like. They need some infielders, but there's a billion shortstops out there. Why can't the Tigers be one well, of the teams to go pay for Trevor Story, right? Why I, not go pay for, for Carlos Correa? There's so many shortstops out there, and nobody wants to pay for them. Tigers, go buy up Javi Baez. Nobody else wants to pay for him. You be the ones, and he'll bring some flash to your team. Like there, I feel like there are bats to get, and they could build a lineup pretty quick. Correa is the name who sticks out to me. Especially if we're going to talk about building it quick because, well, Hinch, I guess, that would be an obstacle. Um, yeah, I guess he sticks out in the wrong way now. But I was or, thinking or, of no, it. Or, or I was thinking as a connection. Like, you know, they still like each other. Like, we don't have to like oh, them together, yeah. but, like, they like each other. Why not? And I just thought know. of it in terms of, uh, of you know, even that him and Altuve not going to the All-Star game. You know, <laughs> people are have been very quick to say, yeah, they don't want to get booed on that kind of stage. And it's the logical conclusion to make. Like, you know, I in terms of guys who got penalized and guys who didn't, yeah, I, you know, maybe that's something that does or doesn't line up well. But he'll only be 27. And he could age into, you know, a couple healthy years and finding a way to, like, be still really productive, kind of like George Springer this year for the Blue Jays, right? Getting healthy yep. and, like, hitting bombs, like, very casually. So he could be a big, big, uh, big piece for them. Uh, otherwise, I'm curious to see if they wait 
or if they maybe use some prospect capital and really just go for like what they feel is a ringer of a hitter because everybody else is over 30. And I don't know if you want to sign a guy for four years and hope that he's producing when he's 35, 36, as you really start to toe your toe into the uh, dip your toes into the playoff waters. Yeah, that could be, that definitely could be, but you know, there are a lot of guys out there, you know, even at the bottom, you know, Marcus Simeon is going to be a free agent again. Yeah. Angelton Simmons, you could just go get him and be like, you know, help our pitchers, dude. Like, here's another one-year contract for $15 million. Go help out these young guys. Go field everything for them, please. And, you know, there are shortstops out there. You know, it'll take a bit. It'll take a bit to put it all together. I don't know that we're ready. I'm ready to say that they're going to be a contender next year, but they are a team that I'm definitely going to watch next year i'm going to be looking at them all winter and, and kind of like i don't know they i'm going to have my eye on them for sure they get they have i think they have a shot to be in the conversation next year which has not been true for you know five years for sure and if they're not going to be in it next year could you see them definitely in it or or you know in the conversation legitimately in 2023 is two years a reasonable timeline to see this team really kind of come together I think two years it has to be the timeline because by that point, your pitchers are already getting close to arbitration. You have to yep. start thinking about paying them soon. Like Torkelson is up. Like at that point, if you're not contending, you're, you're, you're behind. Like I think that's two true. years from now is when like that's all engines are go for, for then. If they, if they're not contending then at that point, I think they're behind, right? They, they, it's time and their pitchers are up. They're all coming up together, right? They've, they've orchestrated this thing nicely. Mines and Scoobal and Manning, they're all up. Torgelson and Green are right behind them. These are all the best prospects in their system. They're all coming up within a year or two of each other. They're, you know, they're ready to make that move. I think now, I think, I think next year even is when we need to start looking at them. And yeah, by the year for that, if they're not ready, then, then then something's gone wrong in Detroit again. And even from a divisional perspective, they might only be worrying about the White Sox at that moment because the Twins are in a very awkward spot. They are in very like a, a beyond space of just floating and they got to figure out what their next step is going to be who knows what cleveland will be in two years uh how expensive their pitchers get uh if they have a replacement for jose ramirez at that point because you imagine he's not going to be on the roster in 2023 Mm -hmm. so they might be eyeing up a wild card fight in a couple of years and, and that's you know if things only stay going well for the chicago white Sox, and i guess in my mind, the parallel to draw is a sudden competitor. While the construction of the team might be different, it's the San Francisco Giants who are, you know, really that they're leading the NL West at last check. So very curious to see how this development continues in Detroit. If they do continue to, to seemingly have something in the air out there that really helps them keep going and, uh, finding productive players in, in addition to getting guys who are coming with pedigree to uh, kind of reach that pedigree. Well, if whatever Buster Posey and Evan Longoria and Brandon Crawford are drinking this year, if they can give some of that <laughs> to Miguel Cabrera, that would be great. And that would really help the Tigers rebuild it all along. It would be extremely kind. So let's check in on the rest of the, the baseball world. And we've got some items here from this week in baseball. There might even be more now because this week in baseball for us was a couple <laughs> days ago. So last week in baseball or whatever it was, we had another list of injuries. Trevor Rosenthal is done for the year. Surprise, surprise. 
Clayton Kershaw is to the IL. Anthony Rendon is to the IL for the third time. Sixto Sanchez, done for the year. Yasmani Grandal, who's having just a fascinating season, having a very productive 180 season while batting 180. Just insane. Manuel Margot, also for the for the Rays, is on the injured list, which has prompted the promotion of another top prospect for them. What jumps out at you here, Tim? Well, I guess Kershaw with elbow inflammation, I guess if we see him ex- going to the to the IL, we almost expect it to be something with his back, right? Yeah. Elbow, inflama- elbow inflammation is a tongue twister and also something that is just vague enough to be scary. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of surprised that they were upfront enough with that. That makes me concerned a little bit. And they're thin now, right? No Trevor yes. Bauer. I don't think Trevor Bauer's coming back. No. Dustin May's not coming back. You know, they're, you know, they've, they're Walker Bueller, they're Julio Urias, and, you know, Tony Gonsolin. Like, they're David getting Price a little bit back thin, in though. the rotation. David, David Price is back in the rotation. I mean, you got to start getting just a, just a touch nervous in Los Angeles. I think so. And the one that really sticks out to me in terms of being a bummer for the team, but maybe more for the player, given how the team has developed arms very quickly, is Sixto Sanchez. To, yeah. to lose a full year, pretty much, where it was like, well, he's hurt. Okay, he's back. Well, he's out again. Something just is a little sore. And now it's shoulder surgery, like, on your throwing arm. And they've developed guys a ton. And they've got – they just spent a first-round pick on Max Meyer as a starting pitcher. They they just plucked Zach Thompson, who seems to be really good, yeah. off the off the waivers. And, and well, they, they signed him as a minor league free agent for, like, nothing, thinking he'd be yeah. a bullpen piece. Like, Sixto Sanchez – might quickly be out of a job with how long it could take to recover and how good they are at developing arms. Yeah, amazingly they haven't missed them and they're still in last place. I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening in Miami, but yeah, I mean they have. I mean, Sandy Alcantara, right? Has been he could be an all star again. Really good. Trevor Rogers, my guy, is an all star and deserves it. He's been amazing. Pablo Lopez is still great and got thrown out after one pitch in a game this year, which is like Ugh. the dopest thing that's been done by a pitcher <laughs> so far this season. So, I mean, they got guys, they got arms. If they could hit baseballs at all, I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of the tight, the worst case scenario for the Tigers is that the Tigers turn into the Marlins, just <laughs> insanely good pitching, a, a positive, the best run differential in their division and still just in last place. I mean, if it goes, if it keeps going like this, the, by run differential, the Marlins will end up being the best worst team ever. They'll be the best last yeah. place team ever if they end up with a positive run differential. So yeah, I mean, that's what you have to worry about if you're the Tigers. That feels easy to avoid. I mean, it feels like there's lots of guys that the Marlins could go get for that lineup that they haven't. So Sixto was such a hit last year. He was so exciting in the playoffs. It felt like he was kind of the guy. And now, yeah, he's got to fade to the background just a little out. bit and just, you know, be, you know, one of the backup singers. So and the, the- craziest thing about all the pitchers you listed off that they have with Alcantara and Rodgers and Lopez and I was talking about Thompson Thompson's the oldest Thompson at 27 is the oldest so like that rotation is going to be scary good for a long time but Sixto Sanchez might be might be pitching in a different uniform I think in in the near-ish future if he gets gets healthy and they just keep developing arms behind him yeah. Now another item we do have here, since we're on the Marlins, they've made extension offers to Starling Marte. Do you think that happens? 
Uh, their extension offer started at what three years and thirty million dollars. Yeah, for for a guy who's reliably a three or four win player, uh, yeah. who and who's been like insane this year. He's been really good this year. He plays yeah. center field. Yeah, he plays it well. Where yep. like when like nobody does center fielders are so hard to come by. Yeah, that well, that's the thing. Like center fielders are so hard to come by, and even when he's injured, he's still incredibly valuable because he can actually do it. Like. I hope it gets done, kind of, because like I just want the Marlins to be fun, and he's such an important part of their offense. I don't know that it happens, especially if the first public offer is three years, $30 million total. Not annually, total. <laughs> yeah, the Marlins pretty much being like, but we're just the Marlins. We don't have any money. You know we can't offer you much. It's like, come on, that is, that's just stupid. That's come on, guys. Let's do a little bit better than that, but... Uh, anything else here exciting? I mean, Elo Jimenez, he's he's on his rehab assignment. He's on his way back. Anything else worth uh, worth talking about here? The the White Sox DFA'd Adam Eaton, who is yeah, like a, their big offseason ad. Yeah, and that is surprising. Wild. And the Brewers yeah. acquired another overweight first baseman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't mean to call out a guy's, you know, bad body, as we'd say in scouting, in the scouting yeah. world. But they, they have a type. The Brewers have a type. You know, go for him. Go get your guy. Jesus Aguilar, Rowdy Telez uh, now, Daniel Vogelbach at the moment. Yeah, they, they have a type for sure. That's kind of fun. Like, I hope it works. Rowdy Telez is just a fun name. Oh, uh, so, so fun. Yeah. And they've got, I mean, Telez had nowhere, nowhere, nowhere to live. And in, in Toronto, they have no, absolutely no need for him. So, yeah, go give him a spot. Hope he's got a place to play and see what happens. Yeah, the, so the, the only two other things that stick out to me are Daisuke Matsuzaka retiring from professional baseball. Kind of fun to see, like, he's just gone back to Japan and still been pretty great for the most part. Yeah, just still doing it. Man, a bunch of teams around here could have used him. <laughs> uh, and he had cervical spine cancer, or not cancer, but surgery that he was returning from this year. And then he's, he's like, I'm done. Um, and Bud Black, why are you talking about who and who will not be traded? Like, Herman Marquez, like, saying he's going to stick around. Like, why? Why would you do that? Yeah, I don't know, but Black. I mean, it's like, but Black. You you may very well not even have a job here next year. Like you don't you don't know what's going on. Like they haven't even hired the guy who's going to fire you yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And ugh, just what a what a weird thing to say. I, and I get maybe he's frustrated and would say it, but like, why? Why would you do that? Yeah, just everyone knows it's not your place. Everyone knows it's not your job. You're just you're just you're trying to flex. That's all you're doing there. Or yeah. I don't know, maybe you're trying to put him at ease, but it doesn't. It doesn't work in part because maybe he wants to get traded. Who wants to play in Colorado? <laughs> what pitcher has ever wanted to pitch in Colorado? Like, Marquise is like, oh man, did you hear what, did you hear what coach said? <laughs> Not going anywhere. I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I don't think anything really sticks out. The Hermione Derby seems like it's going to be fun, right? Like, that's, that'll yeah. be, a, you know, but like, I don't know. It's also just a like home run Say derby. It. Say it, Tim. You wrote it. Say it. It'll be what? <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to write it, uh, but I did say it will be a blast. It'll be a blast. <laughs> yes, it will. Boy, will it? <laughs> I think that's a as good a note to end on as any, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Why not? <laughs> what a what a wild episode. Um, TC, where can everybody find you online? <laughs> Uh, usual places. I got a picture list article that I forgot to submit today that, that I'll get submitted for tomorrow or soon about Gerardo Parra in praise of the baby shark. Love baby shark. Uh, and I'll be on uh, MLB trade rumors 
today or tomorrow, Saturday morning, whenever that is in reference to when you're listening to this. So come come see what's happening there. Hopefully there's some interesting stuff going down. As time is a flat circle, everybody should just go to MLBTR and make sure they read what TC posted anyway. <laughs> see what's happening. Uh, see what's happening. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Tim Jackson says the pod at breaking pod PL and at breaking pod PL at gmail.com. Of course, if you want to email us and tell us, uh, uh, how the weather might be better controlled. We would appreciate that too. We love you listening. Of course, love you checking in every week. We love checking in with you and we hope that you guys had a blast. We hope that, uh, you, you rate us five stars. You, you leave a kind comment. Uh, uplift our souls and we'll we'll keep coming back and, and hanging out with you otherwise please, we hope you all please please <laughs> just say something nice to us we hope you all enjoy uh your week we hope you have the best week ever we'll see you everybody